Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Hey, good everybody here today. Uh, we welcome all of you. If you're watching by way of live stream, we have about a thousand people that live stream our service every day uh, or every Sunday. So we welcome you guys as well and those who are watching by television. Good to have you. You guys look wonderful today. Take your Bibles out and turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. While you're turning there, let me just share a couple of quick quotes with you that I think are telling, revealing. Charles Chuck Colson made this quotation. The greatest challenge facing the church today is to reassert the lordship of Christ. To reassert the lordship of Christ. We, we call him Lord, but we don't always honor him as Lord, and so that's the challenge we face today. George Gallup, who's the pollster, said this, religious interest is growing at an unprecedented rate, and yet so is immoral behavior. Little difference between those who go to church and those who do not. What an indictment against the church, the challenge to reassert the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning, is the lordship of Christ in every single area of our life. Survey came out as well about those who call themselves church members. This is what was found. 10% cannot be found. You just can't find them. I don't know where they're at, what they're doing, can't be found. 20% never attend church. Those are church members, they don't come, they They just uh, never attend. 25% never pray. 30% never read the Bible. 40% never give to the church. 60% never give to world missions. 75% never assume a ministry in the church. It means 25% are doing all the work. 95% have never won one person to the Lord. And yet 100% think they will go to heaven. Kind of interesting there. Yeah, we talk about lordship. Lordship means giving the Lord my entire life. He, he has it all. He, it's, he's lord of everything I have. And so often in this area of lordship is we want to hold back a part of it. We, we, we say, God, you're the Lord. I want to make you lord of my life. But don't touch this closet. And if, and if, if he's really going to be lord of your life, he wants the keys to every single room in your heart and life. And what happens is when you give him those keys, you say, Lord, it's yours, everything I have is yours, every area of my life, every part of my life, he goes into that closet that you wanted to hang on to, and the first thing he does is unlocks the door to that closet, and he begins to clean it out. My wife will clean out closets in a minute. I miss clothes, where'd that go? Oh, you didn't need it anymore, I got rid of it. And she's organized and everything's in its right place. And so the Lord comes into that secret closet you're hiding that no one else knows about. And the first thing he does, he takes out everything you don't need or everything that's holding you back, he just takes it out of that closet. But the good thing is he replaces it with himself. He gives you back himself. There is no loss when you give up anything to follow and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no loss at all when you take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. Because we gain Christ, the pearl of great price. What an awesome, awesome exchange. That's what lordship is all about. 
Now, stewardship is a part of that. It really is all about lordship. Stewardship is not just doing with, with finances or money, and we talk about it in terms of our finances. That's a part of it. But there's a stewardship of our life. And because God gave me his life, I, uh, his life for me, I give my life back to him. I do what Romans 12 says. I present my body a living sacrifice. I just say, God, I'm yours, and however you want to use me, I want to glorify you with my life. Uh, he's the Lord of my time. And so I try to redeem the time, and I try to spend my time wisely. And, and, so, and, and by the statistics I read, 30% never pray. Uh, many, 20% never attend church, and on and on it goes. And so some of that is we're poor stewards of the time that God gave us. If we don't have time to read our Bible and time to pray, then our things may be out of sync in our life is all I'm saying. And so there's a, there's a stewardship of our talents. And you're going to hear the word talent this morning in the story I'm about to read to you from Matthew 25. Talent was a sum of money in the word of God. And so this is dealing with allocation of money. But we use talent today to talk about our God-given abilities that God has blessed us with. And those talents can be developed. They can be improved. They can be dedicated to God. We give ourselves back to God and all our talents and energy to him. And, and, then, and then God uses that for his kingdom. And so talents, we can either use them for God's glory or bury them in the sand. And then there's uh, the, the, the stewardship of my testimony. If God saved you, you got a story to tell. And God's done marvelous things in our lives and he's healed us and done so many things over the years. And so I have a testimony to share with others and my testimony can help somebody else and even lead them to come and know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have a stewardship of the testimony that God has given us. Every resource that we have is an opportunity to be faithful to God and his church. Now the question is, as a steward, how am I going to use that? Am I going to obey God's word, do what God asked me to do, or I'm going to disobey It has been said, obedience is God's love language. Let me say that one more time. Obedience is God's love language. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so I show my love for God by obeying his word and by following him and by serving him. And when I I obey God, it attracts God's blessing. It attracts God's favor in my life. And it's amazing how God does it. Now let's look at Matthew 25, and let's stand together. We'll just start with the first two verses, and then we're going to work our verse 14 and 15, and then we'll work our way through the rest of this chapter as we proceed this morning. Listen to verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. I thank you, God, for the joy of knowing you, the joy of following you, the joy of serving you. We declare your lordship over every area of our life today. Teach us from your word. Your word is truth. Open up this story to us in a fresh, new, and living way, and help me as I bring it forth today. We ask it in your holy, mighty name. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you guys. You may be seated. Now, a couple, a couple just real quick things that jump off the page. And the first is simply this. Uh, God has entrusted blessings to us. 
says very clearly, he entrusted his possessions into these three different servants. And so I want to tell you, God has blessed us. Hasn't he been good to us? Every good and perfect gift comes from above the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. God is a good, good Father. He's a good, good God. And everything we have comes from him. God's blessed us so, so abundantly. It's amazing. But the second thing I think that kind of grabs us right away is simply this. God's gifts are not equally given. Remember, one he gave five, one he gave two, the one he gave one. And, and when we first look, we say, God, that's not fair. And it goes on to say in verse 15, he gave to each one according to his ability. The bottom line was God knew each of those three servants. He knew how faithful they had been. He knew how they could handle money in his possessions. He knew what they were doing in life. He knew their, their capabilities. And so he blessed them accordingly to their abilities. God gives talents. We don't all have the same talents. But God invests in proven abilities, which leads me to my first point. It is this, and jot this down. We attract more of whatever we prove to be faithful in. We will attract more of whatever we prove to be faithful in. Can you imagine these managers, they're low-level managers, they're in the household, the servant comes, says, I'm passing out my money, I want you to take care of it, I want you to use it, I want you to invest it, I want you to multiply it. One day I'm coming back and my reward is gonna be with me and so just take care of this. And he begins to divide his money out and, uh, and, and they're so excited because now they get to work directly for the boss. They know the boss, they have a relationship with him, the boss is gonna be leaving, but he is coming back. And so they, they begin to use God's talents and abilities that he blesses them with, the, the money he blesses them with. Sometimes I feel like what happens is we sit back and we wait for a big break. Or, or we wait for the bonus check. Or we wait for the big commission to come along. Or, or we wait for some promotion or a new job or, or a new opportunity. And we sit back and we wait and we wait. And before we do anything, we wait for God to in turn just Give us everything, every blessing, and then we will act and then we'll respond. But the Bible says if you're faithful in least, he will make you ruler over much. And the Bible says he gave those gifts according to their proven abilities. And so God will always multiply what we use for his kingdom and what we use for his service. But if we sit back, it's not going to happen. An element of trust between you and the owner. In the area of finances, we see this most clearly in the principle of the tithe. The tithe. Malachi 3.10. He says uh, that, that God promises that if we will trust him with the tithe, he will open up the window of his heaven and pour out blessings upon us that we cannot possibly contain. God will bless us and God will be true to his word. And yet very few really believe this as evidenced by the percentage of people in the church who tithe. I read somewhere where the estimate's about 14% of regular church attendants tithe on a regular basis. People make up excuses. Well, pastor, I don't have the money. I can't do it. I don't have enough. I can't afford to tithe. But the reality is you really don't believe God's word. I read Malachi 3.10. 
Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse and see if there will not be blessings that you cannot contain. In other words, if you believe God's word, you will believe, I can't afford not to tithe. When we believe God's word, we act on God's word and we do what God's word says. And so if I am lacking, I want, that's when I really want to tithe because then I open up the gate, the gateway to heaven, the windows of heaven for God to in turn bless me. And so what we're saying is when we don't tithe, I don't trust God or I don't believe his word. Mm. The tithe is the first 10% of the finances that God brings into your life. Now, let me see if I can illustrate it this way. God makes the universe, he makes the earth, he makes it very special, he puts everything we need in here for life, and he puts animals and trees and all that good stuff, and then he puts the two prototypes in the garden, Adam and Eve, and he says, take care of my garden, you're to be a steward over my garden, you're to have dominion over the garden, you're to subdue it, you're to take care of my garden, and, and, uh, and that's what your responsibility is. And he places them right inside the garden. He says, you know what? All the trees of the garden, everything in here is yours to enjoy. You can have it, you can use it, do whatever you want to with it. It is all under your control. But he says there's one tree he sticks right in the middle of the garden. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Puts it right there. Puts a big sign in front of that tree. Do not eat the fruit of this tree. Now why does God do that? Is he mean? Is he, is he trying, to, trying to say, I'm not gonna take care of you if you don't eat this fruit? Is he trying to just test them or tempt them along the way? Why stick a tree in there? What he's trying to establish is, Adam and Eve never forget, I own the garden. The garden all belongs to me. And I'm signifying my ownership by putting this one tree off limits for you. Eat all the rest. Now the question for Adam and Eve is, are you going to obey me in this matter? And are you going to entrust me to take care of every single one of your needs and still be obedient? And Adam begins to think to himself, and they're talking and all that, why all this waste? The tree, there's some of the fruits falling to the ground. Why can't I eat that fruit? Why can't I save that fruit? Why can't I keep it for myself? And so you know the story, Adam and Eve proceed to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. The principle of the tithe is simply this. It is not 10% of your money you give to God. It's 10% of his money because he owns it all. So when I give him the 10% back, I'm acknowledging him as Lord of every area of my life. When I hold back, I say, God, I don't trust you. I'm not gonna obey you in this area. Hmm. You never owned it in the first place. It all belongs to God. When you tithe, you're recognizing God is Lord. He's Lord of my life. He's Lord over everything. He's Lord over everything I have. He's Lord over my finances. And I respond to God's love and blessing by bringing the first 10% in for his work. Now, a couple things are being established through the power of the tithe. Let me share what those are. The first is simply this. When I give my first and best to God, it becomes an act of worship that it established a relationship between me and my Lord. It's worship. Worship. It's giving honor back to God. If, if the president walked in, we, might, we would address him as, hello, Mr. President. 
We would give him a term of honor and a term of respect. If the judge walks into a courtroom, what does he say? The bailiff says, let all rise. We all stand in honor of the judge. And from that moment on, we'll say, yes, your honor. No, your honor. It is all about his honor. Worship is coming from the old English word, worth-ship. And so to worship somebody is to give worth to or honor to. So when you give your tithe back to God, you are honoring him as Lord, and it's a part of our worship. So when the person stands up here, when Pastor Aaron stands up here and says, we're going to continue to worship the Lord as we bring our tithes and our offerings, it's giving honor back to God. We're trusting him as Lord. Now let me show you this in the word of God. Turn to Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm the master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Now he has this indictment against the nation of Israel. They had to bring their sacrifices and their offerings in and present them to God. And so what they do is they walk around the sheep and say, oh, this one's about to die. This, is kinda, this one has the mange. This one's blind. I gotta lead it around all the time. This one's crippled. I gotta carry that lamb everywhere. Let's sacrifice these. And let's bring them in and give them back to God as our sacrifice. And he says, where is the honor due me? You show more honor for your parents and for your governor than you do the creator of the heavens and the earth. Hmm. Where is the honor due me? Uh, So tithing is giving God the honor due him. The second thing is establish a business relationship or a business partnership. In other words, we are saying, God, you own everything, I only manage. It's a relationship between the landowner, the owner, and the tenant, who is us. The tenant, if you understand farming, the tenant, the landowner owns mass acres of land. He puts the tenants on the land to take care of the land for the owner. And what they would do is they would pay the owner back in a percentage of the crops, And so if you rose corn or wheat or whatever it was, when you got done with the harvest, you would come and you would bring that back and give it to the owner. That would be a percentage, and that was your rent, so to speak. We call it rent today. Uh, There's not a lot of farming going on around here, but you rent a place, you bring your rent, but he lets you live in there, he lets you multiply the seed, he lets you feed your family, he lets you take care of everything around and take care of the property and all those kinds of things. That's the landowner, landowner, tenant relationship. But let's hypothetically say this, the tenant goes to the village. He tells all the people, I got the greatest landowner there is. He talks about how awesome the landowner is. And in fact, he even writes songs about the landowner. All I have I give to thee. And he sings about how great his landowner is and how he gives him all of his life and all that he is and he gives it back to the landowner. He makes songs up about it and he says, you know what, my landowner is so awesome, I'm gonna take a pint of strawberries. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna set it on his front doorstep. 
and just because I love him so very, very much. The landlord, though, becomes irate because he hasn't paid his rent for the last two months, but then he has the nerve to drop off a pint of strawberries. Now, you're laughing a little bit. We testify about how much we love Jesus. We sing beautiful songs about he is Lord, he is Lord. We love to sing about him. And then we have the audacity to drop a $5 bill in the offering plate when we haven't even brought our tithes. You get the idea? What we're talking about here, when God gave us the ability and the skills and the knowledge and the job last week to earn $1,000. If you start to tithe, if you start with the tithe, and you give that back to God, then what happens when you put the strawberries on his doorstep? Boy, my tenant is so marvelous. Pays his tithes, brings in the offerings, and these strawberries are phenomenal. They taste so good. It makes all the difference in the world. The tithe is always our first and our best that we give back to God. God blesses the rest, and then we bring them strawberries and apples and fruit and everything else we have. It's amazing, that partnership with God. Where is my honor? He told the Israelites, there must be honor in our business relationships, in our business dealings. The principle of the tithe is always the first and the best. People who wait to see if they have anything left over, and then I'll give it back to God. It has already been devoured by the devourer. So what happens is I gotta pay my rent and my light bill and my utilities and buy my groceries and I gotta do this and this and this and then at the end of the month I have anything left, I will bring it and I will give it to God. Trouble is the Bible says if we don't tithe, he will send the devourer, the devourer will eat everything up we have, all the extra blessings there are. So tithing then becomes a matter of faith and a matter of trust. I will trust God first with the first fruits. Tithing unlocks God's divine currencies of ideas, insights, favor, open doors, and wisdom. Your tithe gives you the opportunity to be promoted to the next level in life. God doesn't have to make a decision concerning whether he's going to bless you or not. You make that decision for yourself. God's not going to say, do I bless this guy? Do I bless that guy? We, we, the blessings come through our obedience. And when we obey God's word, then we unlock the door to heaven. If I disobey God's word, I tie God's hands and he can't bless me and he removes his hand from off my life and the devourer comes in. Malachi chapter three. Let's turn there. Let's look at it if you would for just a moment. Will a man rob God, verse number eight, yet you have robbed me in tithes and in offerings You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Wow, what an awesome promise in God's word. John Osteen is the father of Joel Osteen who pastors Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. 
He tells the story about a businessman who came to him one day and says, John, I want you to pray for me and my new business, that God will bless it. And he says, you know what? I'm committing myself that the first 10% off of my business income, I will tithe and I will give that back to the work of God. And so John says, sure, I will do that. And so they prayed together, and he makes the vow. He says, I'm giving the first 10% of this business back to God. And they pray, they join hands. And what happens is God begins to bless the business. And it grows and grows and grows, and the income keeps coming in from the business. And all of a sudden, he realizes, I'm giving thousands of dollars every week back to God through the local church. And so he thinks about how much he's given. He hesitates for a moment, and he comes back to John and says, John, listen, I want to ask you if you'll release me from my vow. Now I am making so much money, I can't afford to give this much to the church. And he says, okay, then what you're saying is you want me to pray for you again that God will reduce your income so your ties will go down. (laughs) To which the businessman said, no, 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 I, I get the point. I see exactly what you're talking about. Let's finish the story. Go back to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, look at verse number 16. He's given the talents out. Then it says, the man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work, gained five more. So also the one who had two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had two talents also came and said, master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now now notice, you got one guy that got two, he doubled it. One guy got five, he doubled it. The commendation was given exactly to the same. Verse 23, verse 21 are identical. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It is not how much, it's how faithful you are with what God has blessed you with. He doesn't compare who gives more, who gives little, who gives a lot, who gives some, who does this. It is are you faithful with the talents God has blessed you with? Whether it be two talents, whether it be one talent, whether it be five talents, but faithfulness is what attracts promotion or increase. And he says, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now that leads me to my second point, and it's this. Your love for God must be greater than your fear. And let's pick this story up with verse 24. And then the man who had received one talent came to the master and said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was, what's that word there? Afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put money on deposit with the bankers so that I would have returned and would have received back with interest. Take the talent from the man who gave it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more. 
he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. You, you see, the problem with the third steward, the third manager, is simply this. He had the wrong attitude. Fear of failure was greater than his love for the master. He was so afraid that he'd squander it, lose it, misinvest and do something wrong with it that the fear kept him from trusting the owner, trusting the master. You will never be able to take a, a risk for greater reward if you live in fear. It won't happen. If you fear failure, you will never succeed. If you fear failure, you will never succeed. And if you haven't failed at anything, you haven't tried anything. Isn't that good? You say, Pastor, you don't understand how difficult things are right now, and I tell you, I don't understand what you are going through financially or where you are at financially, but I did not make this up. I am as subject to the laws of God just like you are subject to the laws of God. And as you begin to step out in faith, and you trust God and say, God, I'm going for it, I'm all in, I'm gonna honor you with the first fruits of my increase, you begin to bring your tithe, I can tell you, you may face opposition or a setback at first because the enemy will try to stop you and shut you down. He will send obstacles your ways, challenges your ways, and you, fear will come back in and you will lock back down and you may, your family may get under attack or you may come under attack and he will turn up the heat. But some of the greatest blessings and opportunities come through crises. And when you press through, there's promotion on the other side. David, David is anointed king of all of Israel, but he's gonna wait 14 some years before he ever ascends to the throne. Samuel comes in, he anoints him, but then everything goes nuts, everything goes wrong, and he is hunted for the next 14 plus years of his life. He's anointed to be the king, he goes out, he keeps messing with smelly sheep. King of Israel, anointed, keeping sheep. While he's out there, a lion comes and he kills the lion. And while he's out there, a bear comes and he kills the bear. And he faces opposition and he goes to the battlefront and his brothers are all there and they come against him and they try to stop him and they are all operating out of fear. And fear shuts down the army of Israel. David walks up and he makes this statement. The Lord deliver me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me from this hand of the Philistine. And the Philistine was the key to his promotion. And it's after he kills Goliath, the blessings begin to come. When you realize everything is in God's hand, you won't let fear of failure keep you from trying something because it's all God's to begin with. bigger than you, whether it be tithing, whether it be witnessing for the very first time in your life and you take a step and you begin to share what Jesus Christ has done for you, whether it's using your talents to get involved in a ministry in the church for his kingdom, whatever it may be, you start out with the lions and you start out with bears and then when the Goliath comes along your way because you have proven yourself faithful, you'll be able to take the giant down and it will become the key to your promotion. It's a matter of trust God. Do I trust God or not? Do I believe God or not? Do I believe God's word or not? It's all a matter of trust. Now I'm going to tell you something and I'm about to close it down. Tithers love to tithe. 
because we've proven God faithful over and over and over again. It just happens. God keeps his word. God is faithful. God is true. And we've proved it in the laboratory of human experience. It's not theoretical to us. We've seen God do it. I've experienced in my life time and time and time again. Every tither knows exactly what I'm talking about, and you could never, ever talk them out of tithing. And to the tither, it becomes very natural. It's, he doesn't give it, it's just like praying to God. It's just like reading my Bible. It's just like going to church. It's just like trusting God with my finances. It's just kind of all a part of our discipleship, our discipline in following the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's building up our strength and spiritual growth. Now, I got a testimony I want to share with you. Take a look. Hi, we're Kevin and Aaron Seabridge, and we wanted to share with you guys today a little bit about how God has um, blessed us and showed up for us in the form of us tithing and giving back to Him. So we got married in May 2016, and um, at that point, I was living on my own, and I would tithe, but not the way I was supposed to. So I would pay all my bills, and then whatever was left over, that's what I would tithe. And I thought I was doing great because um, I was giving 10% to God, but I wasn't giving the first 10% to Him. I would you know, make sure that I was covered first and then give it to Him. And then Kevin came into our marriage where he hadn't tithed at all. So it was um, something that we had to kind of look at and assess and then figure out how we were going to do it. So we had, about a year ago, we had a missionary guest speaker come to North, and he was talking more about giving to missions, but he also threw in a little thing about tithing, and he said, which is what I struggled with, was if 10% is too much for you to give, pray that God would bless you with a less paying job so that you could afford to tithe more. So that kind of stuck with me that, okay, I'm, you're supposed to give 10%, and I'm not doing that, and I'm missing the whole point of it. So the following week, Jason preached a service on tithing as well, and at the end of the service, he challenged the congregation to tithe for 90 days, and if you weren't satisfied at the end of the 90 days, that he would give all the money back that you gave. So that showed me that there's faith in tithing and that Jason had the faith to do that, that I was missing out on something because I didn't have the faith that God would provide for us. So we started tithing in December of 2016, and... I had been praying for a new opportunity at work. I was in a situation where I wasn't happy. I'd been there for almost three years, um, and I really just wanted more. And Kevin also needed a new job, um, working crazy hours and things that were just not good for our marriage and our relationship um, and exhausted all the time. So we had been praying about this. We started giving first to God. We didn't look at the bills. We immediately, um, before tax, we just took our amount, gave it to him, paid our bills from there, and that was in December. In February, um, I was offered a promotion, and not just a promotion, a 25% promotion. Um, and then in March, Kevin was offered a brand new job, his actual dream job, with a promotion. So it showed us that we completely gave that to God. We gave our finances to him. We stepped out in faith, and he showed up for us. So with both of our new promotions, we both got a raise as well at at our new jobs and the raises were actually the exact same amount we both got the same thing and at the end of the year when we got our tax stub from the church 
we realized that the amount of our raises was the exact same amount that we tied to God last year. And in the Bible, it says that God commands us to tie 10%. And it also tells us that he would never ask you to do anything that you can't handle. So for him asking you to do that, you can handle it. And if you just put your faith in him, he will provide for you. He won't let you struggle. He'll provide. And we're a walking testimony of that, that if you put your faith in him, it'll all work out for you. Isn't that an awesome story? A young couple took God's challenge. Trust me in this. Try me in this, says the Lord God. And they took God at his word and they began doing it by faith. And they're on a journey now that's exciting. Watching God work in their life and their finances and all they have. They, I, didn't, I didn't even hear their story till this morning, till I came in here today. And it just kind of fit right in line with the entire message I've been sharing this morning. So the question for you is, will you respond in fear or faith? you got a choice. Am I going to be afraid? Am I going to be like the third steward? I'm going to bury my money in the ground? I'm going to hide it? I'm going to invest it and trust God and believe God and believe that promotion and increase and blessing comes from God. When you get a hold of this, when it gets into your heart and life, it will revolutionize your life your finances, your family, your home, your everything. I believe God has a guarantee. He just says, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Trust me in this. Try me in this, says the Lord. And I will open up the windows of heaven. And I will do this. And I will rebuke the devourer. And I will do this. And I will do this. I will pour out blessings that you cannot contain. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.